I trust you all felt the presence of the Lord this morning. I know I did. Praise the Lord. Did you notice how good Olivia was? Everybody was good, but did you notice that? <laughs> wow. Praise the Lord. Well, um, trying to get my thoughts collected here a little bit. I was thinking about this week, I had a notification because we're in a social media world and um, have a little devotional channel out that we, I think Roy B. and I were just kind of messing with and did a little three four-minute devotion, I believe, and um, promoted it a little bit, and it's picked up a lot of likes. I haven't really added to it, and so every now and then I'm getting these notifications that there's likes that are going on, and, and this is, I'm not trying to say it was a good thing. I'm just simply leading up to something here, and this week I got a notification from somebody that said, God doesn't exist. <laughs> You're going to have that, right? You're going to have that. And, um, and I was thinking about that. I thought about responding to him. I, did, I couldn't find it because I still don't know how to work my apps. But uh, <laughs> I was going to respond. And, you know, this morning, I don't know about you, but I've, I just felt the Lord a little bit this morning. And um, I tell you, the Lord is real. And I don't know how to take what I feel and what I know and to put it into people so that they'll know who he is. And it's one of those things that I can tell you about it, but until you actually meet the Lord and Savior, the resurrected Jesus Christ, you can only, I guess, speculate and maybe wonder if he's real or not. And so I just stand here this morning and I can tell you, he's real. He's changed my life. I'm no longer the same person that I was before the Lord. And of course, you might be sitting there thinking, well, man, how bad were you? Because you're pretty bad now. And that could be too. I don't know. Um, but this morning, I want to talk about faith in God saves. Awkward title, but that's what it is. Faith in God saves. In fact, we're going to be in Psalm 34. And I don't preach from the Psalms very very often, it's actually probably something I need to intentionally do a lot more of, and because these are, actually, these psalms are where Israel gets a lot of its theology from. A lot of Israel's theology comes from this. You have the law, but when you get into the psalms, this is where they begin to develop their understanding of who Yahweh is. And so this is why it's so important to us. And, you know, the Psalms are written during times of great trials and turbulations and tribulations. I, I, turbulence is what I, must have been my new contraction word. But um, these are written during a great trial in somebody's life, especially someone like King David. And um, yet these are Psalms that actually describe how God is. And in the, in the very background, you can kind of pick up on someone like King David really pulling from the moral code, the Ten Commandments. You can always see them 
lingering in the background, or hear them, I should say. You know, when I was, I've told many of you many times that when I first got saved, I, I remember I was working a swing shift, and we, uh, we would be on midnights two months at a time, then we'd be on three to 11s, then we would be on, you know, seven to three shift, which is the shift that it was harder to get up for, but certainly you wanted to be on that shift because, uh, especially on three to 11s, when I worked three to 11s for two months, like the world would change periodically, and I didn't even know it because I didn't know what was going on. That was actually harder on me than the shift of working, you know, 11 to 7 in the morning. And so because of that, I remember thinking, I'm, I'm going to, now that I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, what I need to do is I need to get a straight day job in order for me to be a better father, a better husband, and a, and a better follower of Christ. My reasoning. Now, this is my conviction. This isn't the way it is for everyone. But my reasoning was that now that I know Jesus and I've finally gotten to where I've started going into church, how many of you know that it's so hard to even get going into church, right? It is so hard to start. Um, so once I got started going, I knew that I wanted to go all the time. And again, this is my conviction. I wanted to go to church with my family. And so I remember leaving my job at the book factory, and I loved that job. I had a, I had a good little gig going, and I, I thought, I'm, it doesn't matter. I, I know what happened to my mother and father. They didn't make it, and I know that it was because of them not knowing Jesus or the Word of God. And so I reasoned that it was going to be better for my family to let that job go, and so I did. I took a job at a candy machine company. And it's, it sounds funny when I say it, um, but when I, I, I took a job at the candy machine company, and I remember working there for about two weeks, and it was straight days, and I remember thinking, you know, they're going to give me a raise soon. They're probably going to give me a raise because I've been working so hard, and I remember I got called into the office, and they, they fired me, <laughs> and I was like, and, and the crazy thing about that job was I didn't even, because it was the candy machine company. I didn't even really want the job to begin with. I, re, I turned them down a couple of times and they kept boosting up the, the salary for me to come. And so then after two weeks, they decided they didn't want me to work there. And it was really because uh, I was serving Jesus Christ. I was not wanting to go out drinking. I was not wanting to go to the, those um, erotic places, if you know. I didn't want to do any of those things. And that was what they were asking me to do. And I, I, I would say no, I, didn't, I don't think I sounded judgmental, but the fact that I was different from the way they are or the way they were actually caused them to not want to be around me. It's crazy, isn't it? Because don't you think that when you know who Jesus Christ is and once you're starting to serve him, doesn't it just seem like that things should start going well for you, right? I mean, we... We tend to think that somehow everything's going to just start falling into place for us, and especially for me in those days, I really thought, well, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to find that straight day job, I'm going to be the all-American dad and churchgoer and follower of Christ and loving husband, and I'm going to make a lot of money doing it. That's what my thinking was. And here's the thing, when I got let go, I realized I was let go because of my um, serving Jesus Christ. It's strange, isn't it? 
Because, I mean, this is what happens to most of everybody that we know, Christians in particular. And what happens is something comes along in someone's life that makes no sense, right? Something happens. We're trying to serve the Lord, and we're doing our best. And I don't. it seems like there's a song we used to sing. Sometimes we wonder why the test when we try to do our best. You all remember that? And it just seems like something comes along, and for no rhyme or reason, it just knocks us down. It just does. And so, when I was driving home, I remember thinking, I've told you a million times, I kept thinking of Frosty the Snowman saying happy birthday because it was my birthday. And I remember thinking that I've got two options. At least I thought there was only two. Two options, I would have to drive a semi for a living, which defeats the entire purpose now that I left the job that I really loved at the book factory, or I was going to have to go to another factory now and get on swing shift again, which, you know, was tough because I, I had left all the clout that I had at that job, right? I, I cashed it in to follow Jesus Christ. Isn't this what Peter was saying when, you know, Jesus had to say, nobody's who decides to follow me has lost anything. You'll have that and more when the end comes, right? I mean, you, I'm paraphrasing, but he's saying, you haven't lost anything, Peter, because he said, Lord, we've sold everything to follow you. And so this comes along, and I have to make up my mind, what am I going to do I mean, I've got a wife and two kids. Am I going to take the responsibility? And by the way, as a pastor, if this happens to one of you and you come up and say something, I'm probably going to give you the counsel that you need to take whatever job comes along. Okay? So I'm just, I want you all to understand this because this is my conviction again. But I decided I would just see what God would do. Is he going to save us or not? What's he going to do? And that's the question, isn't it? Because I know that as long as I've been in ministry, what I see is people who are on fire for Jesus. Have we ever noticed that? People are on fire for Jesus, and as soon as they roll their sleeves up and start serving him, something crazy out of left field comes in and knocks them out. And they too, like me, they have to make up their mind. What am I going to do? Am I going to continue to follow him or am I going to let myself be upset and just say, I've had enough of this. Can I somehow trust him enough to know that if I have faith, he will save me? Everybody has to make this decision. So when we look at this psalm, what's interesting about it is in the very beginning, it says, it gives this, um, I guess, introduction. I wish I'd have had my other Bible because I wouldn't have to turn a page. But it says in Psalm 34, it says, this is of David, if you see the intro right above it, it says, this is of David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. So I remember the story in 1 Samuel, and this is really, you know, in 1 Samuel, it's a contrast between idolatrous Saul, King Saul, and David, who is a man after God's own heart, right? And so in this story, David, who is, 
he has been anointed by Samuel. Samuel, the prophet of Israel, said, I'm, look, God is going to make you king over all of Israel, David. The kingdom will be yours because Saul was not obeying the Lord. Remember, he was an idolater. He didn't want to do anything that the Lord said. He was governing Israel his own way, his own sinful way. And finally, God said, look, I've made a mistake letting him be king. I'm going to replace him. And so then you come, then you come into the story of David and Goliath, right? And there, Goliath is standing out there making fun of all of the Israelites saying, where's your God? Come on out here. Someone, come on here, fight me. Ain't no sense in all of y'all coming out and fighting. Just send me your champion to come out and fight me, and we'll call it a day. And then King David, well, he's not king yet. David, young David, goes out there with a rock, right? <laughs> it's just crazy. And he's like, we know later on, we know what he does. He slays Goliath, and we know later on, he says, I had faith in God to save me, right? He knew. And so from that day on, something happens. All of the Israelites start saying, you know, Saul, they sing a song. Saul say he's slain his thousands, but David's slain his ten thousands, right? So Saul starts thinking, wait a minute. Should be the other way around, right? And then word starts getting around, hey, Saul, Samuel has anointed King David to be your successor and not your son, Jonathan. So Saul wants to kill David. Now, up to this point in the story that we're actually trying to get to, David is actually serving Saul as a good follower of what Yahweh has told him to do. Because in the Ten Commandments, right, he's talking about how to treat God and treat your neighbors. David is sold out to Yahweh, and David is actually showing respect to, Yah or to Saul who doesn't show him respect back. In fact, Saul's returning the good that David does with evil. He's wanting to kill him. And so he tells Saul's son, Jonathan, he says, look, I think your dad's wanting to kill me. I know this is a long introduction, but I want you to hear this. I think your dad's wanting to kill me. And he says, um, I'm going to run away and I'm going to hide. And you can verify it. If, if you know that he's wanting to kill me, you just like, you can tell me, yeah, you better get out of town. And that's literally what it was. Jonathan figured out his dad was wanting to kill David, and David had to leave. Now remember, David was finally in the palace, okay? I mean, he'd come out of the shepherd fields. And in fact, he's been told later on that he's going to be king. And not only that, his, he actually has a wife now, Saul's daughter. And now he has to leave everything behind because of no fault of his own, only because he's doing what the Lord has placed him there to do, right? He's obeying Yahweh. He's doing all the things he should do as an up-and-coming king. And so when he has to leave, he goes out into the wilderness. Now he's homeless, right? And he's going where he doesn't have food, which takes him to the high priest, and they, in fact, they get killed for giving him the consecrated bread to eat, plus they gave him the sword of Goliath to protect himself. So David, and I didn't know this until I was looking back, David actually, because 
he, Saul wanted to kill him, he actually had to take his mother and father with him. They were with him, hiding out. It's just a little nuance you have to pick up when you read the story. And so this whole thing has been turned upside down. And so the question is, what is God going to do? Did he fail David or is he going to save him? This is really where the question is. And in fact, not only was he had to take off and he had to pretend that he was crazy before one of the kings, and I believe it was Achish, He's, he had to pretend he was crazy. He lost his wife. Did you all know that? Saul took his wife from him and gave her to another man. <laughs> you think he thought happy birthday? Because I'm going to tell you something. Bad things happen to good people all the time, don't they? It shouldn't be that way. And in fact, I used to tell my old pastor, we don't tell people this stuff. We tell them, just come to Jesus, right? Everything will be all right. But we don't tell them that what God is going to do after you come to him, he's going to mold and shape you through the, uh, the trials and tribulations that life throws at all of us. So now we have to know, is we have to have faith in God so that we can be saved. I'm going to read this psalm to you. It's just only going to be, a, what, 20-some verses? But I want you to hear it. This is what it says. Verse 1, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glory in the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. It's hard to, you just can't do that any better, can you? I mean, there, there's the theology, right? Let's look at the first thing I want you to see, and it's this. 
Faith in God saves people who glory in him while facing great difficulty. So I, I told you about what happened when I came to the Lord, right? Well, a lot of times I, I forget to tell people that I came to the Lord when I was a teenager once. And what happened was I wasn't discipled. I didn't understand very much about how the Lord is. I came to the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember, I remember getting saved and, and I just had this feeling of freedom on me. But the problem was as the days went by, that feeling started to subside and then before too long, wouldn't you know it, I faced some great and difficult times in my life. And you know what I did? I said, you know, this right here, it, this isn't right. God has let me down. And this is the thinking that I had. I said, you know, why should I have come to the altar in front of everybody? In those days, you got saved in front of everybody. You all remember that? You didn't have a cool pastor like me who'd let you get saved out in the parking lot after service. You had to come to the altar in front of everybody with everybody watching you walk down to the altar and get saved, right? I did all that. And here's some crazy stuff in my life. And I remember thinking, God has failed me. He has done this to me. And the whole point of what was going on was that that was a moment that if someone would have helped me out and helped me to understand, maybe I would have known that it was a moment that I was going to be tested. Are you going to glorify the Lord or not? Are you going to go ahead and praise him or not? And this is what David's telling everybody. In fact, he's talking to a congregation. You can pick up on it when you hear it. He's like, listen, everyone, glory in the Lord. I mean, find all of your meaningfulness, your purpose in being a human being because of what the Lord has done for you. Everything is about the Lord. So when I lost my job, what should I do? Should I say, well, the Lord failed me, I've had enough, or do I go ahead and praise the Lord anyway? You know, I did that. There was a festival in our old county, and it was a maple syrup festival. It's about that time for it to come around again, and it's about the time where uh, the, the maple trees start pouring syrup, right? They're, they're starting to fill up everything, and they're making maple syrup, and you know, it was just a big festival, and so my job for a couple of weeks to make some money was you're going to go and haul these tables to all these buildings, and you're going to set them out, because I was working for the festival committee, and I remember by myself, I was doing this job, and I remember praising the Lord. You're all lucky, because I can't sing. But I was praising the Lord and singing to myself. I was giving glory to God in the midst of the unsurety of what he was going to do, is he going to take care of me or not? That's the question, isn't it? Is he going to save me? And I remember thinking, this is the moment that I'm in, I'm going to have to have faith in what God can do. Because isn't it just what we do with the Lord? We just say, 
He's going to save you from going to hell, right? And we'll pull that card out when we stand before him. In fact, you'll hear people call it the get out of jail free card. But in reality, God is trying to save you right now in whatever you're facing in your life. He wants to see you through it. In fact, that's how he's going to get glory from it when those who are struggling in their life, he's going to say, you can almost seem like went in the book of Job, like, hey, Satan, look over here. Roy's going through the ringer, but he's glorifying me in spite of going through the ringer. You've thrown a lot at him, but he's still giving me glory. He loves me enough to give me glory that the things of the world mean nothing to him. He knows where his source of help is going to come from, and he glorifies me for this. That's what's going on. And David's saying, this is what you do, Israel. In fact, that's what he told Israel in the, in the law, right? He said in Deuteronomy, Israel, if you will glorify me and obey me, I'm going to give you everything you need. You don't have to have lumps of cash in your house because here's the thing, you should have known it when you were picking the manna off the ground. You didn't have to store it all because all you have to do is have faith in me and trust that I'm going to take care of you. Just open the door the next day. It'll be there. That's what it is. But you got a glory in me, and I'll always give you rain on your crops. Look at the next thing I want you to see. Faith in God saves people who demonstrate respect for the Lord. Well, again, like I said, I mean, I'm just, you know, you're stunned, right? You lose your job. You've got a wife and two kids. And let me tell you something. I don't know if this has ever happened to any of you, but where I come from, you lose your job, you've lost any respect and self-respect that you ever had. Did you know that? In fact, people will look down on you. It doesn't matter whose fault it was. None of that matters. People will just be disgusted because you're a failure. Did you know that? I don't know if that's the way it was around here, but in Indiana, your name was mud. You remember that old term? We don't teach history anymore, do we? But your name was mud when you lost your job. It was just an embarrassment. And so I'm just struggling with this all the way down the road. What am I going to do? I mean, I didn't cause this, but it's happened to me. And people are going to look at me and look at me as the problem And I was just mad. I was so mad. And again, I came to that point like I did when I was a teenager. What am I going to do with God? Am I going to honor him? Am I going to fear him the right way? And I've told you many times, it's not about you having this terror of God. He's not trying to scare you so bad that you can't even come out of a hole to serve him. He's trying to get you to understand as a loving father that he has prescribed what is best for you in all situations. If you fear him, you honor him. If you honor him, this means, did you hear the Ten Commandments in the background of this? This is what David's talking about. He says, I'm not going to let my lips spread evil. I'm going to show everyone that I'm going to continue to do what is right 
Even if I'm living in the woods and I don't have a home anymore, I'm going to do what's right. Things aren't going well for me. I mean, this is David, right? He's telling the Israelites this. Things aren't going right for me right now. Everybody can see it. You better believe it. They're all watching. In fact, there's probably people who are supporting Saul and think that King Saul is right in being mean to David this way, and David deserves every bit of what he gets. But David says, but you know what? I'm still going to honor the Lord, and I can live in the mountains with not a roof over my head, and I will still do what's right. Even though another man is with my wife right now, I will still do what's right. Isn't that what was going on? Even though I did this great service to Israel and I slayed Goliath because of the faith that I had in the Lord, I'm still going to do what's right in regard to my God and my neighbors. You know what David did, right? I mean, you remember the story. He, he could have killed Saul, I don't know how many times, two, at least two, but he didn't do it because he still did what was right. You know, as a pastor, I see people come into the Lord, and what happens is it's like the parable of the soils again. We talk about this. They're, they spring up in the Lord, and that was the moment I was in. Am I going to go ahead and love the Lord in spite of what's happening to me, right? Am I going to love the Lord? And I made up my mind, yes, and, and a lot of it was from a selfish position because it was like, it was so hard for me to learn to love the Lord in the first place, and then for all my friends to see me change and follow the Lord, I can't go back to that way. I have to keep going. He's all I have. I'm going to, I'm going to do what he wants. This is what we do. You know what happens? People, they just fall out of church or they fall out of their faith with Jesus nowadays. Look, did you all pick up on what he said? Troubles may follow the righteous people. Well, I'm going to tell you all something. Yes, even though you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're still going to have to rely on him to save you from certain situations that are beyond your control because it's going to happen it's going to happen if it isn't happening to you i got to be honest with you i'm wondering if you're really with the lord right because i'm telling you god tests his people what's going to happen will they still have faith in me to save them and so when you're driving down the road and you've lost your job i'm going to tell you something this is where faith begins do you really trust that God is going to take care of you? I mean, there's that faith out there, right? Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus, man. Thank the Lord. But then there's that faith where, like, I'm trusting Jesus, but I don't know what's going to happen. I'm following Jesus, but I don't feel anything going on right now. What's he doing, right? Is he going to, is he going to let me down? What's he going to do to me? We start seeing what you believe then, don't we? And I'm going to submit that this is why you see so many Christians begin to fall away from the Lord. Because it's in that moment that they are supposed to learn to have faith in God who saves, right? 
Look at the last thing I want you to see this morning, and it's this. Faith in God saves people who experience being crushed in spirit. We froze up. <laughs> there we go. I like to look at it. It makes me feel better. Well, I don't even have to interpret this. I think you all can just take a look at that, right? I think every one of you in here this morning, you know what that means. You know exactly what that means. It means that the Lord has allowed something devastating something that means something to you to happen. And what's happened is it broke you on the inside. Y'all hear that? It literally broke you on the inside. That's what that means. David is saying that because of my love for the Lord and my trust in him, I found myself in a good life and I would have been satisfied right there. But now I'm in the wilderness and pe the only people who are willing to come around me are the people, this is no joke, who have debts to society that society no longer wants. I'm gonna tell you something about those people. They became the mighty men of valor later on. <laughs> wow. That was all that was coming around David. All the people that he knew, all of the relationships, they weren't for real with him. He knew it. God allowed something devastating to happen to him. To happen to him. And I would say that would have to really be something to lose your wife and your home in that moment for doing nothing but serving the guy who took it from you, King Saul. I want you to know this morning that what David is saying is that God is close to those who are brokenhearted. God is in the midst of those who have been crushed in their spirit. Now, it would have been so nice if I could have been in my pickup truck when I was crushed, if I could have looked over and actually seen Jesus in the passenger seat, but it didn't happen. I had to trust that he literally saw what happened to me. And I tell people this on a regular basis, when you think of someone like Hagar, who was thrown out of the camp because her mistress was beating her of no fault of her own, right? She was put into a terrible situation to birth a child for her master. You can, pick, you can figure this out. And so she's out in the wilderness and all she says after she meets God, and he says, you go, he told her to go back to camp. You remember that? Go on back to your mistress. I'm going to act like I wouldn't have heard that if I was her. I'll just be straight with you. I'd be like, oh, there's no way. God doesn't want me to suffer. Isn't this what Christians think today? He wants to break us. And she says, I have now met the God who sees me. And she's okay. See, you know what I think the story of Saul and David is? Is I think the story of Saul is Saul never was broken. 
And because he was never broken, he fell out of God's favor. Is it okay if I say that? David was broken, and David, that won't be the first or the last time that David would be broken, but what I know is God works through those who are broken. God works through those who are crushed in the spirit. This idea that we are giving to Christians today that your life is going to be like Disney World because of Jesus Christ is crazy. God breaks us. It's just what he does. And when I look back on that time in my life, I knew it was a time where I was broken, but it was a time because that was so special to me because the Lord was so near to me in that time. I learned a lot about having faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and I learned a lot about how to follow him because of that experience in my life. God works through those who are broken and crushed. You might be someone this morning that just thinks, this is a downer preacher because I, I got faith in God who saves. You may have faith about eternity. But I'm going to tell you something. In your everyday life, if you're not able to have faith in God to get you out of the common troubles that you and I face, then how can you have faith that he's going to save you for all eternity? Seems kind of hard to me. The faith that you better have and that I better have is that even though this world has fallen apart around me, even though the things that I count on in my life are going by the wayside, yet I believe he will take care of me. That's what faith is, right? Are you glorying in God in your everyday life or are you allowing the circumstances or the situations you find yourself in are you allowing those to define you as a follower of Jesus Christ? Or are you willing to put those aside, not focus on them, let God handle it, and you continue to think about how magnificent God is even though it doesn't feel like it? This is where we're going to be saved. This is how we start to find that we have faith to be saved. Because I, yet he slays me yet I will trust in him, right? If you're somebody that's on the teeter-totter, I guess, or on the fence, right, on that fence, I'm trying to straddle the fence. Things haven't been going the way they're supposed to in my life. Am I going to continue to do what's right? Am I going to continue to do what God wants me to do? Or am I gonna say, I've had enough of this. I no longer want to go and follow the Lord this isn't working. My life was better before the Lord. Let me tell you something. This is the moment you have to have that faith for God to save you. This is where you say, I'm going to continue to obey the commands of Jesus Christ. I will continue to love my God and love my neighbors, even though they may not be loving me back. Right? That's the faith that's going to save you. Or are you somebody this morning that's so crushed in spirit that you think that the Lord is doing nothing but harming you? Let me tell you what he's doing. 
He's breaking something in you to make something better than was ever made before. You're going to be a much different person once you get through this season in your life. You won't be the same, and thank God. I would never have been this. If I hadn't been broken, and I, now look, I dread. I don't want to be broken, but it may come yet again. And if it does, I'm going to let the potter do with the clay as he sees fit. Because I have faith in God who saves. I trust him. You know, I think if Christians would come back to this mindset, if Christians could somehow get back to this real faith, I would say this is real faith. If Christians would come back to this, I honestly believe it's not about the churches being full. That's not the goal. It's about the world being transformed, right? It's about the world that we live in being transformed in such a way that the world would learn to have faith in the God who saves, and the world too could experience what we're experiencing. And I think, I think we would see stronger faith, stronger prayers, all of these things that would take place. We might even see miracles again. Can you imagine? We wouldn't have to make up some sort of doctrine to try to explain away why we're not seeing miracles now. We could say that is not true. We could say we're seeing miracles because we have decided to follow Jesus even though everything seems to be going wrong for us. So right now, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I know right now, if you're a human being, you're dealing with something that has hurt you and that you are very frustrated with in your life right now. Name it and tell God about it. And then commit to him that you will follow him and glory in him and trust him to save you in spite of what you faced. Because it doesn't define you as a person. What defines you is the faith that you have in the God that we serve. And then let it go. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning again, Lord. We're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for your truth, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We don't understand why you do the things that you do very clearly, Lord. But it seems like after the fact, we realize you knew what you were doing the whole way. Father, that's what makes you God and us not. And I pray, Lord, if there's somebody within the sound of my voice that is struggling with anything in their life, Lord, I pray that this would be the opportunity that they would turn their life over to you and say, I don't care what's happened. I'm going to follow you no matter what. Lord, let that be my prayer. We have nowhere else to turn, Lord. You are the only God there is, and thank God it's you because you love us so much. Now I pray, Father, that you keep everyone safe. Help them to return Wednesday and Sunday and take what they've learned into their lives and apply it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen.